Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. Today on the show, we have Ingrid Honkala. From her near-death experience at the age of two, Ingrid was aware of other dimensions of life. She was gifted with guidance from beings of light who gave her insights and assistance as she faced the challenges of growing up and finding her professional destiny as a marine scientist. In her life journey from her native Colombia to Europe and eventually home in the United States, and from a deadly war zone to underwater explorations and a NASA research center, she teaches how any life experience can be illuminated from within. If we are willing to pay attention to subtle signals, take our intuition seriously, and forgive our most challenging difficulties, anyone can experience a brightly guided life. When she was 19, the beings of light told her, someday your life experiences will talk for you and you will pass our teachings on to others. Her book is called A Brightly Guided Life, How a Scientist Learned to Hear Her Inner Wisdom. And in it, Ingrid details her amazing journey with the beings of light. You can visit her website, which is ingridhonkala.com. In addition, Ingrid and I will both be speakers at the upcoming IANS 2019 International Conference. And if you don't know what IANS stand for, it is the International Association for Near-Death Studies. It'll be held just outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, August 29th through September 1st. And you can go to conference.ians.org to find out more. So Dr. Ingrid Honkala, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thanks so much, Sandra. This is incredible to be here with you today. I feel so blessed and so open to share with all of you all this wisdom and all this love. Oh, it's so great. And a shout out to our mutual friend, Lilia, who connected us. And thank you for sending me your beautiful book, easy to read full of inspiration. And I've been watching you on YouTube quite a bit this morning. So I feel like we've already spent so much time together. <laughs> this is wonderful. I love it. Oh, well, Ingrid, how does your story begin? In your own words, if you would share? Well, it happened at a very young age. Yes, yes, I was I was very young when this happened. So I always say to people, although this was an in incredibly beautiful experience it was really hard as well and hard because I was too young too young to understand and and to pass to others the the message or or the teachings or 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 the experience I I was I had had and, and and all the stuff that was happening with me so everything started as you mentioned when I was very young I was close to three years old when I fell into a tank filled with frigid water and I drowned. And at the time, I was uh, living in Bogota, Colombia, where I was born. And I lived in the house with my parents, my sisters. And at the time, there was a maid. That This was very common in Colombia for a maid to live with the family in the house. So... 
my parents will go to work and leave us at the care of the maid. And this was a, a young lady that really didn't pay too much attention to us when my parents were not around. So early one morning, my parents left really, it was about six, seven in the morning when they left for work really early. And they left us in the house. The maid just went back to her room and to do her own thing. And like I said, didn't pay attention <laughs> to what we were doing. And we being little, my oldest sister was almost four. I was almost three and we had a, a, another youngest younger sister that was almost two. So we were just following one year apart from each other. And my oldest sister and I decided to just uh, sneak out of the bedroom and go play in a back patio that was in the house. And I always mention that people have the misconception that because I was born in Bogota, Colombia, I come from a hot weather country. But Bogota is uh, located uh, high up in the Andes. So this makes that the area can get very cold mm-hmm. at night and very early in the morning. So maybe the temperature around that day in the morning, it was about maybe 40, 30 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. And... Uh, at the in a corner in this patio, there was a tank that at the time was used for collecting water because next to the tank was a flat surface where people could do laundry. So this the purpose of this tank was just to collect water to do laundry. At the time we didn't have a washing machine. Mm-hmm. So that's how they did laundry at the time. So my sister and I saw the tank, saw a ball that was there in the patio and decided, oh, let's play catch across this tank. And of course, at that age, you don't think about any danger. And she, we, the tank was pretty, pretty big. It was, it was high. This tank held around 900 gallons of frigid water. That's pretty big. So, yeah, that was pretty big. I, I I never mentioned this before, but the reason for this tank was also to collect water in case that we have any need for extra water. Right. So it was it was for doing laundry and for having extra water. So we grabbed the stools, we climbed on the tank, and my sister sat more comfortable in the flat surface next to the tank. So she was doing okay there and I went to the other side of the tank where there was just a thin edge and I bended my legs and I was leaning very precariously in this edge but you know at two years old you're not going to think that anything is going to happen to you and at the time I didn't have any idea Sandra that if you fall into water you drown so not having any of these fears, we just grabbed the ball and started to play. So my sister threw the the ball at me and she didn't apply enough force. So the ball fell in the water. And I saw that the ball was close enough that I could grab it. So I leaned forward. And of course, when I apply force to, when I tried to grab the ball, it rolled on the surface of the water and I went, first head into the water and 
the first thing that I felt when when falling in the water was the intense feeling of being cold. It was like, <gasps> and I had that feeling that my whole chest had like imploded. And it's when I realized I cannot breathe. And it was this moment where I started to experience the sense of panic, sense of terror. I, I never knew that there would be a reason for, you know, breathing for us is so natural. You And at that age, you're not going to ever think that something can stop your breathing. Right. So at that moment I, that I was experiencing such a state of terror and this was amazing because I went from this state of absolute shock. I cannot breathe and fighting and trying to get some air, trying to get out of this water to suddenly experience absolute peace. Wow, it was absolute calmness, serenity, freedom. I didn't need to fight anymore. All this anguish, all this horror was gone. Ingrid, can I interrupt you just for one second? Yes. The only reason is I, not all the listeners have heard stories of near-death experiences. And I have found from the people that I've interviewed, people who have had the near-death experiences can remember them like they were just yesterday better than any memory they've ever had. And on occasion, I've interviewed people that have had them as a child. And I think our adult minds, like, how can somebody who had this at two years old remember it so clearly? Am I correct in saying that, like other people who've had NDEs, you can remember it very, very vividly? Yes, yes. I love this question, Sandra. Yes, it's, it's very important because I have had that question being asked before and I just what I can can say is these experiences like that are so vivid are meant to change your life to the point that it just makes it impossible to forget the the this experience is so vivid Sandra that I can even remember I can even sense with my fingers that the ball we were playing in in the water had like letters that were like written. It was the alphabet, mm -hmm. the letters of the alphabet written in high relief. And I could even sense the letters of the ball in my hands. That's incredible. But I do I, know that that yeah. is something, and, and not that I doubt near-death experiences because I don't, but it's, it, it's more clear than any memory and so I just wanted to point that out because I think if someone's a first time listener, it might be easy to say, how could a two year old remember, you know, that sort of thing. So, yes, yes. And I'm going to bring you even even farther to to clarify and to show why these memories are so vivid, because I went through a lot of contrast during this experience. First, going from a moment of absolute horror, of drowning, of not being able to grasp air to the sense of absolute peace. So it, it was like, I, other point of contrast, I used to live in a house that was very noisy. 
it was a lot of noise. We have dogs, we have birds, we have our cousins live next door. I have at the moment two other sisters. There was always noise. And Sandra went to a place of noise. Oh, this is another thing I mentioned is right before the moment of serenity and, and joy and calmness happened, I had my heart was beating in my head like a like a very loud drum. Boom, boom, boom. That was the last memory of sound I had. And it stopped. And I went from all the memories of noise to absolute silence. It's what I call the silence behind the silence. Wow. To the point, Sandra, that later in my life, I will look for places where I could hide to find that silence. I will go into closets. I will go. I would love to go to the house of some aunts that they, they like silence and their house was very quiet and I loved to go there because I wanted that silence again because it's, I guess it is is the place of absolute peace is inner peace so this was another strong point of contrast now it comes another one like I mentioned in to people I when I fell into this time that this time it's actually everything is so perfect here, Sandra, to, to have so much contrast that makes this impossible to forget. The other thing was this time was made entirely of cement and it had a roof. So it made the, the space really dark. So when I fell into the tank, the last thing I saw was darkness. So you have the contrast of hearing, you have the contrast of seeing, you have the contrast of feeling feeling when I drowned, seeing when I saw this dark space. So I'm using here pretty much all the senses. So when I opened my eyes, there was only darkness. And the moment I went from, again, the, the change from terror to absolute joy and peace, now a light came, a light just turned on. And it came from... from below below me like from the bottom and it was like I, I compared this with the light of a candle and this candle was able to illuminate the entire water is surrounding so this was a, another extreme point of, point of contrast from darkness to light so when I saw this light coming on I was like wow and I started to look around and I saw bubbles suspended in the water and, and these bubbles were surrounded by light so of course I was like oh what is these bubbles and by chasing the bubbles I when chasing them I turned around and I saw a body suspended in the water and at that moment I knew with absolute clarity that that was my body and the expression in the face the eyes were open and I didn't feel afraid I didn't feel that this was something unusual actually I, I had a sense of familiarity I knew that this was not at that moment I knew this is not the first time I had just to use the term clear clearly that I had died I had the sense that this had happened already before 
Interesting. So I saw the body there and I, and now I'm going to mention another point of contrast because this is what makes things impossible to forget. I was born as a very sick child. Sandra, my, ma- my mom had a really hard pregnancy. She was very sick and I was born as a very, very sick child. And I spent the first three years of my life feeling unwell. I didn't even know another condition because all I felt was sick. So that that was me. I, I was I had respiratory problems. I was always feeling unwell. And I went from also that state of feeling unwell for those three years of my life to feeling absolutely well. Great. So you just oh, I'm free. It was the absolute sense of freedom. So when I turn and look at that body. I the, the the what came immediately to me was like I'm not going back there. And I had the realization that I could choose not to go back to it. And I just turned around and I left. And when I left, suddenly I saw flowers that were blooming from nowhere. And I was picked up by these flowers. And I just had that, I I said to people, the sense is like that sense that you go back to the womb. It's the sense that you don't have to do absolutely anything. You're just being done. It's the absolute sense of like, you're just being carried and you're just going with it. And from there, in, in just a blink, I appear in the mate's bedroom and I was looking at, at her like if I was like like in the ceiling and I had the, the panoramic view of the whole bedroom and she was lying on the bed and when I saw her again again Sandra this this experience is so vivid and, and my memory is so clear about the whole thing that I even remember the soap opera that she was listening in the radio wow to, with the years later, I, I wanted to make sure that if this soap opera, because I remember it so clear, really existed at the time. And yes, yes. So I, I knew the name and everything of the, what she was listening in the radio. And I said her name. I'm like, oh, that's Maria. But she was completely unaware of what was happening to me. So from there... I, again, in an instant, appeared in my mom's path. At the time, we didn't have a car. My mom didn't have a car. So she had to walk to catch a bus. And, and it was a, a, about 10 minutes walk, Sandra, from, from the house to her bus station. And she was walking when I appeared there. And I just looked at her and I said, oh, that's mom. And when I said this, she stopped. She stopped immediately and she realized, she had the realization that something was happening at home. Something was happening with one of her babies and she didn't even hesitate. She didn't even move forward. She turned around and started to run back home. I also said to to people that, thanks God, my mom mom is a a very um, intuitive, very sensitive person. So... That was 
what was needed at the moment, I guess, for, for her to, to feel my presence. Right. And she started to run. And then I looked at her, but I, I just got distracted at that moment by the realization that wherever I put my mind, I could go. So that I started to play this fun game of like going places. Wow, if I was thinking about anything, I would appear there. Like the end of the road, a dog playing, whatever, and I would just be there. And while I was playing this game of going places, suddenly in just, again, an instant, I appear in a realm that was made of pure, bright, shiny light. And that was the first time, Sandra, in the, the three years that I had of in, in here in this physical realm that for the first time, I felt that I was at home. And something amazing is that the, the other feeling I had is that this again, like when I saw the body in the water, I felt that this was familiar. I felt that I just was coming back home and that I have repeated these many other times. So it was like, oh, I'm just home finally. And I put the example that is when you leave in the morning to go to work and you come back in the afternoon. So for me, it was the same sense, like it was not even three years had passed. It was the sense of like, I just left and I'm back. And I felt welcome. And, and although I didn't see anybody else, I felt that I was being welcome. And it was incredibly, incredibly amazing. And, and up to that point, although I saw my body suspended in the water, I didn't have the realization that I was not Ingrid, that I was not this persona. And now being in that realm, is I started to have the sense that I was dissolving, like I was being started to be part of the whole. And it's when that sense of being Ingrid started to vanish and I realized myself as a being of light. And as this feeling of self started to, to just dissolve, 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 I went farther to feel that I did not have any sense of self. It was the state of non-self or the state that I call as nothingness. And when I talk about it, I, I said to people to be able to explain what nothing is. <laughs> I would just, I can say that is the state where there's not color, no meaning, no feeling, no texture, no sound, no description. The only thing I could say with absolute clarity about this is, is that this is a state of absolute presence and pure consciousness. I, I think you're right. There's been just a few times that I've been sitting in meditation and like you say the silence behind the silence and it's just it's like everything disappears yes except for being present if it's hard to explain unless you've experienced it but i can kind of get it yes and it's that's the moment where just it's just perfection mm -hmm.
And while I was in this state of being, my mom finally made it home. And she, this is, this is amazing too, because she knew we live in a pretty big house, but she knew exactly where to go. If she would have wasted time going into other bedrooms or something, I would, I think I would have drowned, but definitely not be able to maybe bring, who knows, because when the divine one is here, all these miracles happen, but, but she knew exactly where to go and she, directed herself to the back of, of the house and sitting in next to the, like I said, next to the tank and that flat surface was my oldest sister. And I, I mentioned to people that I've learned through time that absolutely everything has purpose. And that day, the purpose of my sister was to show my mom that for sure, I was in that tank and my sister never moved away from it. And she tried to help me, but she was too little. The tank was pretty deep, like as I mentioned before, and she was too little, but she tried and she never, Sana, she'll never forget this day either. And she was, she was three and I was two. So now this is two people at such a short age remembering this event. Mm -hmm. So it was not just me. And my mom finally just got there. She got me out of the water. And like I, I, I also will mention, this is this is incredible because when things have to happen certain way, and and we're here to to do our work, we're here to do our mission. To we bring here with a certain purpose. Everything will play together in a way that things will get resolved. So. Or it's when we talk about synchronicities, how everything start playing and 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 like um, resolving in a way that it almost looks like miraculous. So my mom incredibly also knew CPR because she worked with children and she had to be trained CPR. So she started to do what she knew to revive me. And one thing that people ask me sometimes is, what did I, if I feel anything when she was doing this and I did not, Sandra, this moment I was completely detached from this body. I didn't feel anything she was doing. Okay. And in just an instant again, like everything happened in this experience, like no time, I felt that I had the feeling that I have fallen from the tallest building in the world like I had jumped and I feel this vacuum feeling inside like like I was being pulled back a vacuum back and there was nothing I could do to stop this from happening and then I was back in the in the body and I knew I was back because all the feelings of discomfort and and the extreme feeling of being cold and pain and the feeling unwell came back and I was very, very unhappy, Sandra. <laughs> well, of course, because you were just in a place of total peace. Yes. So, yeah, so when I came back, I I just didn't feel that I wanted to be here. I And that's when I mentioned at the beginning of, of our conversation that although that was an, an incredible, amazing experience, it also became really hard afterwards. 
It's not true. Just, yes. You and I will be at this conference in end of August. I've heard so many stories of people who've had near-death experiences going into depression, many of them turning to drugs and alcohol and even suicidal thoughts to get back there. Um, so as a young child, you just experience something so wonderful and then you get back in a body that's sick and etc. Yes, yes. And, and, and that was hard, not just having a sick body, but not having anybody to talk with about it. And that's what I think makes uh, IANS and, and these organizations so important, Sandra, and people that are learning and studying all these, because it opens the door and the possibilities for people like like me and like like many that I have had these kind of experiences to be understood. Right. And for them to find their way and for them to realize this is an experience that can be used in so many different ways and it brings you within and it brings you to have clarity and it brings you to share it with the world. But of course, at the time when this happened, it was early 70s. In Colombia, there was not even anyone that I knew that was close to understand any of this. No, that wouldn't happen till years. Ingrid, I want to ask you, just because you know how fast time goes. Yes, I'm looking yes. this like already a half hour has gone. Um, I, I would love for you in your time to talk about when the beings of light showed up, because I'm assuming that happened when you were a child as well. Yes, you, yes. You've grown up to be an extraordinary woman who's done extraordinary things. So I want to make sure you you touch on the beings of light and you know, some other things as well. But I don't want to rush you, but just be mindful yes, of time. Yes, Because it let's goes so be. fast. I know. We want to be here for hours. I know. So what happened is, is when I came back, Sandra, I had the clarity that, and I have an awareness that I didn't have before my near-death experience. Even I was so young, it's incredible. But I came here and I would just look at my parents and realize my parents are just not my parents. I felt them as my equal. I saw myself and realized I'm just not this baby. I, What is going on? So I, I had all this clarity and I came with, with gifts. So right after I was able to rewrite, resolve mathematical problems, all these things were happening. Wow. But yes, and, and, and people will look at me. I started to even talk in such a structured sentences that people, my parents, everyone was in disbelief. What is going on? Then, but I tried to explain, and I, they, it was not clarity for me the possibility to explain what was happening. So I became sicker than before, and I became really angry, and I didn't want to talk to anyone, and I started to isolate myself. I didn't want to be with other children because I thought this, they don't know anything. So all this started to escalate, and I would look at myself in the mirror. And I will tell my mom, you don't understand. This is not me. This is not my name. And I should not be here. So things went really hard. But I always said to people that the help that we need will come in different ways for everyone. everyone. But for me, came with the help of these extraordinary beings. So 
right after my near-death experience, I started to have experiences that were very similar to the one I experienced when I died. And what happened is that I would go through a series of changes when I would go bed, colors, sounds, movements that I have never experienced here in this physical realm. And this was actually, Sandra, very disturbing because it would go really fast and the changes were very strong. But I was being taken to that realm of the light. And I was started to just wanting to go there, wanting to go there. And one day in one of these journeys, I found myself completely surrounded by starlight figures that were shining in all different colors, all the colors you can imagine and not imagine. <laughs> and this is with your real vision? You're seeing this outside of yourself? Yes, Yes. At the, at the time, I didn't know that I was having out-of-body experiences. Okay. Because that term didn't even exist. Exist. Yeah. <laughs> I learned later that that was what was happening to me. So I was leaving my body. And I even actually learned about the sounds and the movements and all of it that I experienced is related with out-of-body experiences. I just didn't know this. So I would go to this realm of the light and I would be in the state of peace and all of it again. And in one of these journeys is when I was surrounded by these starlight figures and it kept repeating. And one in one of the journeys, one day, one of the starlight figures that was uh, shining in pure, pure gold shaped itself into a human form. And it approached me and it, touch me. And it's when I said, you are a being of light. And I came back in that time, I I woke up and I was back here. And I started to experience this. And and every time I I, I had these out-of-body experiences and I would see the beings, uh, they were shaped in human form. and, And it was for me to understand that they were like me. So I had this, oh, okay. And it was incredible. And from there, Sandra, there was a day, this kept repeating for a long time. And there was a day when I was close to, when I was four years old, I was taking a shower. And I was just, just relaxed there in the shower when suddenly one of the intense blue shiny light appeared in the shower. So this was the first time that it happened in this physical realm. Okay. So now I was not just out there. It now happened here. Mm-hmm. And when I saw it in the shower, I was like, wow, a being of light is here. And from there, they started to appear here in this realm. And they would appear anywhere. And I would see them next to people. I would see them everywhere. And although they didn't do or say anything, Sandra, I felt so love and I felt so well in their company that I started to heal and I started to talk with my family and I started to go back to so this was beautiful Sandra because this is the realization that I didn't need to be there I could be here and be in that light oh I see yeah in that piece they were showing me it is here right it is here. And if it's here for you, it's here for all of us, isn't it? 
Exactly. So they were bringing to me the clarity that home is a state. Home is not a place. Heaven is not a place. It's a state of being. So being with them and feeling so joyful, so well, I my body, I started to heal. And my parents, of course, they, there was no way they could understand nothing what was happening. I told them I was seeing being so alive, but I thought I was dreaming. And I, I, I explained to people just pretty quick to make clear who my parents were. They were very, very young and very naive. They were forced to marry when they were 17 years old. And like I said to people, a 17-year-old, and so when this happened, they was in their early 20s. At the time, people don't didn't have the knowledge that people have today. Right. There was no internet. There was not all the TV channels. There was not all this information. So they did not have clue of anything of this. So, and Colombia was a country of war. There was a lot of difficulties going on. So the moment they saw I was doing better, I was eating better, I was sleeping better. Oh, good. She's doing good. So, <laughs> but your mom was spiritual as well, because didn't you say in your book that she, when you told her about this, she had seen spirits too, but just didn't yes. tell anybody. Yes, but you know, Sandra, this came. It had to happen in a way that my mom finally got it. Mm, okay. Because what happened after that is that at a school, once I went to school, I started to do drawings. And all my drawings were surrounded by auras, all the figures, all everything. Oh, wow. And I, yes. And I started to paint beings of light everywhere. So it's when the teacher, one teacher approached me and she said, and they already thought I was odd because I was quiet. I, I would talk about things that no one understood. It was really strange to them. So they kept me kind of like in the corner there. And she approached me and she said, what is it that you are painting here? Are the stars and the and the sun? Because I painted everywhere. And, she, and I said, no, 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 they are my friends, the beings of light. And it's when the teacher said, what? And she said, I'm going to call your parents because she thought I was having imaginary friends. Of course. So it's when me and my mom came to the school and my mom finally got it. She's really seeing something. And in front of the teacher, she didn't say anything. And I said, but mom, you don't understand. Those are the colors that we wear. And those are the beings of light, my friends. And my mom made me this face, this, this mom-looking face, like, don't say another word. And I just came quiet. And on the way home, I was so sad, thinking no one believes me, not even my mom. And it's when my mom said, I believe you. And I was, I was like, what, mom? And I said, yes, because I also see things that nobody does. And I said, what is it that you see, mom? And she said, I see a spirit. And she's been seeing a spirit since she was five years old. So Sandra, later is when I knew that I, I was born in the right family, because otherwise, who knows what would have happened to me. But from there, my mom now knew that for sure and for certain, there was something different and about me. And she said, it's when she mentioned to me, these are gifts. And it, it was words that were similar, actually, to some words that being so light said to me, because they said to me that 
we were we are all special and someday we will realize that but they said to me you're special and you're starting to realize this so my mom said this is happening because we are special you just but, said something i i don't want to go over they spoke to you these beings oh yes yes so what happened was that after okay the all this happened the bathroom experience and all that, they, they started, they were with me after that all the time. They were appearing, they, like as I mentioned before, they were not saying anything, doing anything. But what happened was, Sandra, that I was still very detached from my persona. And I would throw big tantrums and I would just say, um, like, there was a day where, where they were calling me to eat dinner. Ingrid, Ingrid, come to eat. And I would just say, I don't... I, Stop calling me like that. That is not my name. So they, they, that, they, they said, then what is your name? And I said, I do not need one. So that was the first time that the beings of light started to talk to me. And this happened. Uh, I was, uh, I went to, they sent me to bed because I was throwing this tantrum. And they said to me, they talked to me for the first time. And they said to me, there's going to take time for them to understand. Now we now oh, this beautiful, this incredible voice was talking. And and I said, so in, in this wow moment, I said, understand what? And they said, understand that in the realm of the light, names are not needed, as you already know. Ingrid, did they continue to be with you and talk to you? as you grew up, as you went to school? Yes, for the rest of my life, Sandra. And there was a time, which is, uh, I, I tell the whole story on the book, there was a time when I was 19 years old that I felt so different from everybody else that, and now I was going to college and I wanted to date a guy and I wanted to be like everybody else. So it's amazing how sometimes a gift can also turn into a burden. Because I was so isolated, no one really other than my mom and later than my grandma understood what was happening a little bit, not even to the extent of how powerful it was. So I asked them, I said, I, I, I had a, an experience where I was in a bus and I had a similar experience when I had the near-death experience, Sandra, in which everything dissolved. And they said to me, nothing is what it appears to be. And at that moment, I said to them, I want to be like everyone else. And they said, you're going to pass our teachings to others. And I said, I don't think so. I want to be like everyone else. And they said, don't worry. It's, it's not going to be now. They said, and I, and I asked them, what I, I asked a really important, I, I asked a question at that moment when this experience and the boss happened, I told them, how is it possible to forget who we truly are? And when did we stop being one with the whole? And, but at the same time, because I was feeling such a victim at the moment, I asked why me, why this is happening to me? And that was the moment when they said, in 20 years, you will understand. Ah, uh, very interesting. Yes. And I was like, what? 20 years? That's forever and a day. And I was disappointed. But I, at the same time, I understood that 
they say you're the one looking for this time because yes it was true at the moment I wanted to be like everyone else so I said all right and life just kept going and at that moment they said you will not see us or hear or hear us for a while but we're always going to be there they say I explained to people they like you have your parents and say you you go somewhere you you leave home because now you go to college or something it doesn't mean your parents went away they just they are a call away from you so they they always have been there my entire life i was the one that left that's a really good way of putting it can you talk to us just a little bit about your career and just some of the travels you've done just to get an idea of who you became from that 19 year old Yes. So yeah, that moment I, you know, this is beautiful, Sandra, because I started to have visions since I was four years old. And one of my first visions, I, my, my parents took me to the ocean. And when I stood there, I knew I was going to be a marine scientist. So when I was five years old, I told my dad, when I grow up, I'm going to be a marine scientist. Although at the time, there was not even books, nothing that would tell me about that. And my dad said, if that's what you want to be, that's what you will do. And when I grew up, that's what I did. I wanted to know everything. I said, someday I will know what is under that blanket. Because I saw the ocean like a big blanket. Mm. And what people ask me sometimes, how could you be so close to the ocean and to water if you drown? And this is the the amazing thing there. I'm glad you asked me this question, Sandra, because I said, because drowning brought me to the light. Drowning brought me to the depthness of myself. So for me, being a marine scientist and oceanographer is being exploring what is deep. So this is a parallel. And I went to college. This is all I wanted to do. I became a, a, a marine biologist at the beginning. And I started to, to travel in, in, around the world. Later in my life, I joined the, the Colombian Navy. Then I came to the United States and uh, became a, did a PhD in oceanography and worked for NASA for five years studying. This is another thing, Sandra. When I was 12 years old, the beings of light told me I was going to work for NASA. That's pretty great. And at the time, they told me that I was going to um, learn about the ocean from satellite imagery. And at the time, there was not even that. All that technology was not even implemented when they told me when I was 12 years old. So incredibly, I ended up working for NASA and doing what they told me I was going to do. Pretty incredible. Yeah, it might not exist here, but they can tap into it because maybe it exists in a bigger picture. I I don't know how it all works and I don't think we'll understand how it all works until maybe our time, maybe not even then. And I want to get into some of the things in your book and even talking about challenges, the power of connection. Are the beings of light back with you now that you're older? These questions I have for you. (laughs) Yes, this is this is amazing. But just um yes, what happened is that oh there's so many that is 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 
I want to go in every direction, but uh, pick but, one at a time. We can go in all three. <laughs> let's pick one at a time. So yeah, what happened is that uh, as the beams of light said to me, uh, twenty years passed, and I didn't realize that twenty years had passed. Of course, when the time came, but I already became a scientist. I I was I started to travel around the world. Sandra, going to oceanographic places. I, I've been in about 56 countries on the world, around the world where I was able to share wow. science and spirituality because I never, ever stopped being spiritual. Even, even though I was not communicating directly, but actually that communication never broke completely. They were always there. And when people read the book, there's so many instances that they will see that they were always there. But again, like um, say that the connection, the communication became again as strong as, as when I was little. So what happened was that uh, I moved here to the United States. And at the time I, I started to go in um oceanographic cruises and and I went to um, um, travel to Asia and there I I met a a lady that was a common friend of someone else and she told me that she was going to meet the Dalai Lama that if I wanted to come and I said of course I wanted to meet the Dalai Lama since I was eight years old because the beings of life have told me about him and I was like, of course I want. And she, so I ended up going to Dharamsala, India, and taking the teachings of the Dalai Lama for a week. Pretty great. Yeah. So that was what started to open that door again to go back to alignment, to mm-hmm. go back to that connection. And, but incredibly, right after meeting the Dalai Lama, I said that. You know, like say that you have a glass of water and even the, gla- the the water looks kind of clean. There's a bunch of dirt at the bottom. And what happened is when I started to go back and touch and align myself again with my my inner self, this water got disturbed and now the, the, the water became muddy. So it, it was not really clean water. So all that stuff that I have accumulated for all the years, I had many sufferings happen through those 20 years, Sandra, many sufferings. So I reached the point when all that got moved that I fell into the deepest depression of my life. And I wanted to actually die. I wanted to kill myself. And I ask, it was when, again, that asking, when I guess we reach those points in life where we feel so broken that we are forced to ask with absolute um, yearn to, to really find an answer. And, and I was like, please, beings of light, come back. <laughs> I need you and they I woke up the other the, the next day with with um with the help I needed. So I woke up with the idea I need to find a psychologist, somebody that helps me. And I went and I found the name of this doctor and incredibly someone else like again the synchronicities of life brought me to the same person in different ways. I went to meet this person and 
he told me something that was amazing, Sandra. This was the, the, the words that I needed to hear. One day I arrived there, he said, Ingrid, I want you to make a list of all your sufferings. And I thought, what? Writing about me, making a list? Jeesh. He, he said, Ingrid, writing is cathartic. It's, this is incredible. I'm like, okay, let's write. And I wrote all these lists. And when I showed it to him, he looked at it and he said, the list was so long, Sandra, that, that, that was overwhelming. And he said to me these words, he said to me, in my 37 years of practice, I have never met anyone that has suffered this much and is mentally stable. And interesting, Ingrid, because I think to people on the outside world, they saw you as being successful and interesting and, and nobody really knows what can be behind our smiling face. It could be depression, you know? Yeah, and I absolutely love that you said that prayer, just yearning and asking. And yes, there came a, you know, the next step for you. Yes, and that's when I say people, when we're being shaken so hard in life, sometimes there's a purpose for it, and all these sufferings that I was having in my life had the purpose of shaking me hard, but I wasn't awakening. So it had to come the point where I, things will bring you to the point where you will crack open and you will ask for the light to come, for that awakening to happen. And then this was amazing, Sandra, because that was the moment when I told to the psychologist, why, why me? Why this is happening to me? And he gave me the, in my experience, in, in, in for the purpose of what I came to do, he said the words that I needed to hear. And these were two simple words. I said, why me? And he said, why not? But for me, this was the switch that brought me to the state of, oh, why not? And it's when I put myself at the level of the cause and not at the level of the effect. And he said to me, look, because of this, you're here. Because of this, you're done here. Because of this, you're successful here. Because of this, you travel the world. And he started to show me all these parallels. And I'm like, oh. and everything started to make sense. And it's when I realized that everything that had happened in my life was for me and not done to me. Oh, let's just say that again. Everything happening in your life was for for you and not done to you. Yes. That's important for all of us to map onto our life the possibility. Yes. Not saying yes. everything's absolute truth, but the possibility that things are done for you and not to you. Exactly. I put an, a, a very beautiful example, Sandra. I put the example of a bird in a nest. I said to people, just think about this bird. It's in the nest and it's so comfy, so warm there. Oh, this is perfect. And what happened? Suddenly the mom realized, okay, he's in time now to leave this, this nest. And depending on our state of awareness or, or our perception, we can take different, different paths there. So say at this, this point, the mom has stopped bringing food. Because it's time for the bird to leave the nest, and the nest can the, the bird can think, "Oh, my mom is bad. 
look what she's doing to me. Or if we have different clarity, we can say, oh, she's helping me to get out of this nest. So it depends where we are. So at that moment, okay, no more food. Now the nest start becoming small. The nest start becoming dirty because the bird is doing all his things there. So what happened? Life is pushing us. Challenges are happening. Things are an extreme experiences are happening for us to move, for us to be in discomfort, because that discomfort will bring us to take action, will bring us to ask new questions, will bring us to get new answers, and will bring us to evolve. So what happens is there will be such challenge at the end and so discomfort that the bird will jump out of the nest. Hmm. But if the bird never jump out of the nest, what happened? It starts to death. Or it will realize that it, 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 it would never be able to realize that it had wings and that it could fly. Yeah, I think our journey as humans is not to stay in the nest. It's to be uncomfortable. It's difficult. I don't think life was meant to be easy. But these things that are done for you, not to you, what about some of the really awful things that happen? Like really, have you had any experiences of really terrible things done to you? Oh, yes. It's, it's, it's been few instances when things were really, really, really hard and some extreme experiences that, that bring us to, to be shaken and, and to awaken. I, 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 can, I can tell you some experience that this, this one is going to sound a little bit extreme and strange. <laughs> it's in the book and it's something oh, I, I, haven't, I haven't shared in an interview yet, okay. but... This was uh, when I was uh, in college already. I was about 19 years old. Uh, I was with one of my, my best friends. And at the time, he was going through a really, really hard time because he was born with a problem where, where his uh, blood vessels in the face made him to um, that didn't develop right. So he had like um, what he called an stain in the face. It was like a blotch, like a purple blotch in half of his body. So he had a lot of suffering with this. And we we met and uh, we became really, really close friends. This was one of the people that the beings of life told me I was going to meet. And I, and I was going to, we were going to help each other. And one day uh, we were walking down the street to catch uh, a bus and from a corner, just a block away, three homeless people uh, appear in the road and or, or just turn from, from the end of the street. And we saw them. And at that moment in Colombia, I mean, due to the situation of these people, a state of poverty and everything, these homeless people sometimes can be very very dangerous. They, they will, of course, they need your money. They need to survive. They will come and take everything from you. So these was three guys. They approached to us. And at that point, my, my friend, I, although I've been already talking to him about some of these, all these spiritual things, he was very close to all of it. He was just centering his suffering on how hard it was and how difficult everything was for him. So here I'm actually talking about experience more than is happening to him than to me but if they he gave me the possibility to see outside myself so um, this guy he was going through a lot of pain a lot of suffering and we were in this road these three men arrived 
and their purpose was to rob us. And at that moment, my friend wanted to to help me. To he thought more about my danger than his own danger, and he opened his arms to protect me. And these three guys surrounded us and started to steal everything from him. And started to he they ripped his watch and took his wallet. And I was standing right in between two of the guys. And although I had a, a, a good leather jacket on it and my watch and my books and my backpack, nothing was happening to me, Sandra. It was like everything was around him. They were taking all his stuff. And I saw that he was looking at me and he wouldn't do anything. And, and the, he was telling the guys, take everything, take everything, because... I was in the scene observing what I was what was happening around me but they were not doing anything to me like if I wasn't there and at that moment I couldn't move I couldn't talk I was almost like I was paralyzed there and they took it they even grabbed his wash and ripped it out of his arm and they scratched his skin and when the guys left he just looked at me and he said, what happened? What happened is amazing. And I said, what happened? You're okay. You, you, your arm is bleeding. And I said, I don't care about my watch. I don't care about my arm bleeding. I don't care about my money. The only thing I care is to tell you that this is a miracle, to tell you that they didn't do anything to you because you were not here. Say that again. You were not there. Yes. Mm. He said you were not here. And yeah, the guys were next to me. They didn't. It's like they were like, like standing next to me, but they was not. They never saw me. They never took anything from me. They never spoke to me. They they were just in the scene where they were with my friend Santiago. And Pretty miraculous, not for Santiago, but for yourself. Yes, yes. So when I ask the beings of light, this is this is the part that actually answers some of your question. When I said to him, to them, what happened? How is this possible? I didn't know you could make people disappear. What is this going on? And they said, first, you know already that everything is possible. And two, they said, sometimes Extreme measures are needed for someone to wake up. And I said, are these extreme measures needed for everyone? And they said, everybody is different. So, and the way people perceive things is different. So the experiences will be according to the evolution, the perception, the awareness of everyone. Wherever you are, the experience will meet you. So Santiago was ready for experience like this. And from there, it was the point that he finally broke all this victimhood mentality he had up to that point. And the change that he experienced was remarkable. Sandra, from there, he became a complete spiritual being. 
and he devoted his life to his spirituality and to use his own physical um, problem with his health and all these to help others. To use his own life as an example to help others and to show this is all done for us. This is all done for our own evolution, for our own awakening. And as each one of us awaken, humanity is awakening too because we're part of it. We're just a piece or we're just a thread in the tapestry of the universal plan. Uh, that I believe wholeheartedly. Ingrid, you have a quote on your website, and this might be yours. When you are aligned with source, the way becomes clear. Can you talk about, because we just have a few minutes left here, about our alignment and some advice with us? And do we all have beings of light around us and we just may not be able to see them? Yes. Yes, we all do. We all do. The, the ones that are disconnected are us. We this is beautiful because right after I had the, when I started to become connected again, I had a similar experience, Sandra, that the one I had when I was younger and my, when I had my near-death experience, I, I, I again dissolved in nothingness. And it's when my connection again got completely direct with and established again with the beings of light and, and, and the answers that I had asked 20 years before the questions I have asked 20 years before were answered. And this is what they said to me. The, the questions were, when did we stop being one with the whole and how it's possible to forget? And they said to me, you never stop being one. You never left the source. You only became distracted and seemingly forgot. So I have realized through all these years, Sandra, how easy it is to become distracted. We, we just go in life looking at shiny things and we lose our presence. We lose our, our connection. So the way to go back to, the, to that connection, to that alignment is through awareness. How I do that, I, I, I for example, do practices of, of walking meditation where I walk in absolute state of awareness. And I start to listen to everything, to even be aware of my steps, of the birds, of the crickets, of the wind, of what I feel in my body. So what we are is that presence, that state of consciousness. We are going back to that by bringing ourselves to practice awareness. I said to people, let's stop every time you remember and, and this thing that you do naturally every day in your life that is breathing, breathe consciously. Do, two, do at least one conscious breathing every day. And the more you practice this, the more you practice this, you're going back to who you are, presence. It's funny, Ingrid. I was just thinking, you know, this world exists and we may not be able to see it and we may not feel connected to it, but it's like, I was just thinking of a radio station and unless you have your radio turned on, you're never going to hear the music. So by you becoming aware or us becoming aware, doing conscious breathing, walking meditation, being present, 
It's like turning on the radio so we can hear, we can sense, we can feel the unconditional love around us. And could you speak a little bit about unconditional love as well connect with connection? Yes, yes. That's actually what we are. There's, there's nothing else. Like the beings of life said to me, Ingrid, you got, you don't, you're not even close to know, we're not even close to know what love is because love is not a feeling. Love is a universal principle. Is the structure of everything. So when I had this experience in the car a few years ago, when everything dissolved and brought me to remember my experience in the bus and my experience during the near-death experience, it was like, there is nothing, absolutely nothing that is not love, Sandra. So it's when I realized, even when I drink this glass of water, I'm drinking love because love is, is, is pretty much... I would say it's, it's like what is holding everything together. It's, it's, the, it's what pretty much form us, and, and that's what we are. We, we are the, the, the space within. I said, I said love and, and what we know of as unconditional love is, is the space that is, and the vibration and, and, and the light that is holding everything together. So we, when we practice presence, when we are, are breathing, when we're practicing awareness, we're going back to what we truly are. And that is that, that sense of goodness, is the sense of universal goodness, the sense of well-being, the sense of joy, the sense of inner peace. And that's what we truly are. I, I, I love when I love this, this sentence that says that we are love joy, peace, well-being. So the true question is, what am I doing to disturb it? Mm, so whatever, question. yes, whatever we're seeing in the outside is disturbing. What is disturbing our inner peace, our inner joy, our inner love is what needs to be corrected. Just like we're all the diamonds inside and we just might have Layers upon us need a little polishing, uh, but we can definitely get there. Yes, yes, exactly. And it's just by having that awareness, by knowing that within yourself, you are already that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, so now what I need to do here yeah, to polish myself, to, to correct myself. And what life is giving us and all these challenges and all these things happening around us are opportunities. Right. I think we have here and now more and more that everything we see is a projection of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So what we're seeing outside ourselves is guiding us within. It's bringing us to see what, what I need to correct to polish myself, to go back to, to shine like that diamond that I, that I am already. I just have so much dirt around and, and so many layers around that I, my light cannot come through. But we're so all at the perfect place, right? In the perfect time. We shouldn't feel guilty about what we did wrong. We live in the present moment and move forward. Are you aligned with that message? Yes, Good. yes, completely. We are where we have to be. So this is another thing. It's when, when we start seeing life this way, we start seeing the perfection of everything. The moment you realize 
this experience happened for me and start going with things from like the past. Oh, wow. If I, if this didn't happen, I didn't be, I didn't come like to this meeting or I didn't meet this person of this situation. So little by little, we start tidying knots. And when with that exercise of tidying knots and putting things together is when we start seeing the value of everything. The beings of life said to me, nothing in the universe lacks purpose. And they said to me, time and experience, the purpose of time and experience is to help you remember who you truly are. Mm. So, yeah, we take it that way and we see it that way and we start seeing our, our experiences as our, the chance we have, the opportunity we have to evolve. So now all the things that we consider negative are not as negative. It's changing in, it's the change that we do in perception, how I see things, how which with glasses I want to see the world. Then the, the moment I start changing the way I perceive things, like now after I saw all my experiences and I realized that everything that had happened in my life happened for me, guess what, Sandra, I stopped being a victim. Everything went away just like that, like like a castle made of cards. All that is story, all the story of me and poor me that I had created fell apart, vanished. It was not needed anymore. Dr. Wayne Dyer had a great quote, change the way you look at things and the things you look at change. Completely. It's just the same thing with our perception. Ingrid, before we go, can we talk a little bit about the IANS conference? Because it's going to be my very first one. So I don't know exactly what all to expect, but you and I are both going to be speakers. And yes, it's this year, August 29th through September 1st. And if you would just maybe share a few things, because you were there last year. And I know there's a bunch of speakers from around the world, including... Suzanne Giesman's going to be there, Bruce Grayson, Nancy Rhines, Evan Alexander, Mark Anthony, uh, Reverend Bill McDonald, you, me, and many, many more. But just what the conference is all about. Yes, this is, I actually, I have done so, such an amazing work giving people the possibility to express themselves openly about these experiences because this experience is so personal and so many people are so fearful to talk about it. Sandra, last, last year was the first time I was at the conference. I, I presented, I was in a panel and before that, it was the first time I actually presented in public because before that I was so fearful and I was like, oh, I don't never going to talk about this with anyone. They're going to think I lost my mind. I'm crazy. And I realized this was the place where I was not being seen as crazy for the first time, as weird, as odd. I had a place. There was a space for me where I could communicate openly with. There was so many loving people and so many people also with with a lot of challenge and suffering because they still don't know what to do with what happened to them, to what they have. And, and that was beautiful because in the last conference, a message I got from the beings of light was that it was important to move on from the experience and understand what the experience was for. And, and, and to bring that clarity that if you got in touch with that, 
state, pure state of, of wisdom and love and, and joy. Now, how we use it, how we come the embodiment of that and start using it here in this physical realm to help others, to, to help yourself, to make a better world. So this is the place where people can get together and start unraveling and start like creating new, new, I would say a new home, a new home for the one that feels homeless. Yes. The association is great. International association and near death studies is great for just that. There are millions of people around the world who have had near death experiences and Thankfully, there's language to them. There's there's so much, but the IANS group is great. And the conference isn't just for people who've had near-death experiences. They're for you and for me, anybody who's interested in the afterlife, in hearing some of these incredible stories, and in having a great life. So for me, it's my very first time being a presenter there. And I feel so honored that they asked me to speak and I'm really excited because I know myself and many of our listeners like going to a live conference. And this is another good one. Yes, yes. And I love what you just mentioned there. That is for everyone. Because I said to people, you don't need to have a near-death experience to become an awakened being. I love it. Yes. And when you're surrounded by people that have had these experiences, I said each one of us is is like like a little candle. Mm -hmm. What happens when you put all the candles together, you create a big flame. That's true. A roaring fire. Exactly. So we are that's one of the the, the purpose of, of my near death experience was to bring the the wisdom of connection. When we lives. connect we become powerful. When we connect and help each other, we evolve. We we grow and, and, and we and, and we start getting like in tune with our, our conscious awareness. So this is what we do when we're together in this path of of being a spiritual and, and being authentic and, and trying to be in these places where we are allowed to be who we are. Right. I think there's power in numbers and being together. And I know for myself, anytime I meet up with people, whether it's at an afterlife conference or even within, we have a Facebook group, We Don't Die Listeners, which you're free to, everyone's free to join that. But you can be empowered by people that speak the same language, have the same interest. Can we can move forward together? Whereas I think left to our own devices, just being out in the world and not remembering this truth and not exploring, it's very, very difficult to navigate a life alone. So be part of a group. And if you're someone who travels by yourself, like I do, still come to the conference. You can, um, you know, you can, even in our Facebook group, request somebody to be a roommate. And, um, but come, come. I think most of the conferences are people that travel by themselves. So don't let that stop you. So you can find out more about the conference at IANS.org. It's the main IANS website or conference.IANS.org. And then our wonderful guest today has been Ingrid Honkala, Dr. Ingrid. And her website is IngridHonkala.com. Ingrid, thank you 
from the bottom of our hearts for being our guest today. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Sandra. And before we go, I want to say one last thing to yes. to all our listeners and to everybody that is feeling alone and is feeling depressed and sad and left out that you are never alone. We are never, ever alone. We are surrounded by divine guidance, by amazing beings, which are not just in my case, the beings of light that I can see, but all of us, ions, all these amazing people around us, we just have to learn to find them. Go there, reach out, and, and realize that you're never, ever alone. That's very well said. And then I just got these this image of all the people in our life. If we actually start looking at them like they're beings of light, they're perfect, they're love, and start treating them that way. And like the quote by Wayne Dyer, when we choose to change how we look at People, the people we look at change. So wouldn't yes. that be a good experience, experiment to look at people as beings of light and love and treat them that way? Uh, interesting experiment. Yes. I yes. like it. All right. Well, thank <laughs> you. Thank you, Ingrid. And thank you to our listener for being with us. I know this is a little bit longer than our normal interview, but it was filled with good things. And I thank you for being part of it with us today. As just a reminder, our home base is wedontdieradio.com, where you will now find 314 episodes of this show for over the past four years, all set to empower all of us to believe that, well, we don't die, that we are eternal beings having a human experience, that we can still tap into the divinity by, like I said, turning on the radio or in the case of life, quieting our mind, going to the silence behind the silence and accessing it there. So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain, always delighted to be your host on We Don't Die Radio. I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important. And just a couple of things that I just highlighting from the conversation we just had is when things happen in our lives, if we can choose to look at them for maybe this is done for me, um, not to me, like it's something that will aid in our life, just changing our perspective that way. And then also, I love Ingrid's quote, when you are aligned with source, the way becomes clear. And I know for myself, I don't spend enough time going into the silence, although I talk about it a lot. So that's a good one for me too, because we all want to have miracles. We all want to have connections to the source, however you look at that. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.